Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. As many of you know, I have a regular spiritual practice of warning people that I will disappoint them. <laughs> Only my husband laughed. Um, <laughs> he who knows me best. A couple of times a year, we host a Welcome to House for All Sinners and Saints brunch for newcomers. Everyone goes around the room saying what drew them to this community or what keeps them here. And they usually say it's a comfortable place where they can be who they are or they love the singing or they love the community. One time someone said that their mom was Catholic and their dad was atheist and that this church kind of felt like a combo of the two. I <laughs> don't even know what that means. But, um, well, I usually am the last to speak at these events. And when I do, I always say how great it is to hear all of that, but that I really need them to hear something. And that is the time that I say, this church will disappoint you, or I will fail to meet your expectations, or I'll say something stupid and hurt your feelings. It's not really a matter of if, it's when. Welcome to House for All Sinners and Saints. We will disappoint you. I mention this because in our reading from Romans, Paul speaks of hope, and he talks about a hope that does not disappoint us, which I honestly have a hard time relating to, since I, like many of you, have had a lot of hopes which have ended in disappointment. And sometimes it's easier to not hope at all rather than to risk starting with hope and ending with disappointment. It all reminds me of that story at the end of Luke's Gospel, when a few days after Jesus' death, a couple of his disciples were walking the road to Emmaus, trying to make sense of what just happened in Jerusalem, trying to make sense of their devastation and disappointment. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and the shared meal, and then the betrayal, and the arrest, and the trial, and the crucifixion. And as they discussed all of this, just crestfallen, a stranger walks up. Spoiler alert, it was Jesus. It's always Jesus. <laughs> Uh, and he was like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they didn't recognize him, like so often we don't. And so they told the story of Jesus' life to Jesus, about his ministry and his death, at which point they then speak what are probably the three saddest words in Scripture. We had hoped. We had hoped Jesus was the one to redeem us. Instead, Jesus is dead and it is we who are defeated. Those two disciples started with hope and ended with disappointment. We had hoped. We had hoped that the time and money spent on a graduate degree would mean we'd have a job by now. We had hoped that our parents would love us unconditionally. We had hoped by this time in life we would be married, or we would have a meaningful career, or we would be able to retire, or we would feel like at least we knew what we were doing. And that didn't happen. Because hope as a starting point can look like Palm Sunday. It looks like crowds entering triumphantly into Jerusalem shouting Hosanna, but Palm Sunday always turns to Good Friday eventually. Which is maybe why not only does Paul speak of a hope that does not disappoint, but he connects it to suffering of all things. Which feels, again, a little sketchy to me connecting hope with suffering. 
I, for one, would have a hard time liking anyone who, in the midst, if in the midst of my own suffering, cheerfully reminded me that suffering produces endurance and endures character and character hope, and hope doesn't disappoint us. I've said it before, but whenever I am in a real mess of pain, when a relationship has ended, or I am in some kind of emotional suffering, and some well-meaning Christian says, well, when God closes a door, he opens a window, I start immediately looking around for that open window so I can push them out of it. <laughs> Which is to say, I don't find ignoring the difficult reality of our lives in favor of some kind of blindly cheerful optimism to be hopeful. I find it to be delusional. So yes, it feels like hope can be risky, and connecting hope to suffering can be sketchy. But maybe the way suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, is that suffering, endurance, and character actually free us from the burden of having to be naively optimistic. Maybe if hope isn't a very reliable starting point, then hope is not something we strive to muster up for ourselves. Maybe real hope is always something we're surprised by. This week I started to think of hope as that which is left after all else has failed us. That, that's an Easter hope. My friend Cheryl Lawry, she works in, uh, she does alternative worship experiences in Australia in the prison system. So when she speaks of hope, I tend to listen. She says, hope is an encounter that captivates our imagination so we can't help but become more than who we thought we were and find ourselves living for something that is all at once preposterous and impossible. And when it comes down to it, I, I want hope. I just want a hope that doesn't disappoint. Don't we want beauty and reconciliation and possibility that comes from something other than our own limitations or the limitations of others. I want a hope that isn't really just naive optimism. I want a hope that finds us living for something that is all at once preposterous and impossible and yet the most real and honest thing we know. That is to say, I want God. Because a hope that does not disappoint looks less like being idealistic about ourselves and more like being idealistic about God's redeeming work in the world. It's a hope that comes not from naive optimism, but from being wrong and falling short and experiencing betrayal and being a betrayer. And it comes from suffering in the grave and what feels like a night from which dawn could never emerge. And then how God reaches into the graves, we dig ourselves and each other and again loves us back to life. The Easter hope that we have, brothers and sisters, the hope that never disappoints has nothing to do with optimism or the avoidance of suffering. It is a hope that can only come from God, and it, it can only come from a God who has experienced, like us, birth and love and friendship and lepers and prostitutes and the betrayal and suffering and death and burial and a descent into hell itself. Only a God who has borne suffering himself can bring us any real hope of resurrection. And if ever given the choice of optimism or resurrection, I'll go with resurrection any day of the week. This, I think, is the God of whom Paul speaks. And the Christian faith is one that does not pretend things aren't bad. The Christian faith 
does not offer platitudes to those who lost children this week to suicide or tornadoes. This is not a faith that produces optimism. It is a faith that produces a defiant hope that God is still writing the story and that despite darkness, a light shines and that God can redeem our crap and that beauty matters and that despite every disappointing thing we have ever done or that we have ever endured, that there is no hell from which resurrection is impossible. The Christian faith is one that kicks at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. At those welcome to house for all sinners and saints brunches for newcomers, after we've told them to not use idealism or hopefulness as a starting point, when we've been honest about how we will eventually disappoint them, we ask them to decide if they're going to stick around after it happens. Because if you leave because we have disappointed you, you will miss the way that God's grace fills in the cracks left behind by our brokenness. It's not something to miss. Welcome to House for All Sinners and Saints. We will probably disappoint you, but we don't think God will. And in this, and only this, do we confidently place our hope. Amen.